As the 90s neared its end, the wrestling world was evolving fast. The war between the WWF and WCW had finally evened up, and it was anyone's game as to who was going to win. WCW had struck gold with the NWO storyline, but the WWF adjusted its attitude in 1997, and in 1998, they put their new plan into overdrive. This was the year where they started firing on all cylinders, and it was a joy to watch. In November 97, Vince McMahon screwed Bret Hart out of the WWF Championship. That real-life event gave birth to the Mr. McMahon character. McMahon would become one of the WWF's most hated heels in 1998. Also thanks to the screw job, Shawn Michaels was our WWF champion. The Royal Rumble kicked off the year where Shawn Michaels defended the belt against The Undertaker in a casket match. However, it's most remembered for giving Michaels a career-ending injury. He dove out of the ring and clipped his back on the casket and that injury was a hell of a lot worse than it looked on TV. We wouldn't see Michaels back in the ring until WrestleMania. This was the year that the WWF started to embrace soap opera storylines. It had all started the year before with the incredible tale of The Undertaker and Kane. And that continued during the casket match between Michaels and The Undertaker when Kane appeared and locked The Undertaker in the coffin and set it on fire, allowing Michaels to retain the championship. Steve Austin was the MVP of the Royal Rumble match. He entered at number 24 and went on to win the entire contest after last eliminating The Rock. In the storyline, this was bad news for Vince McMahon. The rise of Stone Cold was making him very nervous indeed. He didn't want Austin to become the WWF champion and he sure as hell didn't want Austin to become the figurehead of his company. At the end of 1997, Austin had stunned McMahon for the first time, and that was just the beginning of their rivalry. They did a great job of building the feud up between the boss and his belligerent employee, and this would be a central storyline going forward for the next couple of years. The Federation also employed the services of Mike Tyson for the first quarter of the year, he made an appearance at the Royal Rumble where he was happy to see Austin pick up the win. McMahon was really happy at having signed the baddest man on the planet to a contract. That was until Austin flipped him off and attacked him. The fans were clamouring for Austin by this point and everything he did to antagonise McMahon just heightened their love for him. The idea of somebody getting in the face of their asshole boss every week was just really appealing to watch. Mike Tyson was announced to be the special guest enforcer for the main event of WrestleMania, and the mainstream attention that this brought to the WWF at the time was immense. It was really telling that it was The Rock that was the other final contender in the Royal Rumble match. The Rock was fully entrenched as a heel by this point, and he would remain so throughout most of the year, but his charisma was undeniable. 1998 would be his transition into becoming one of the company's most important superstars. 
Also at WrestleMania that year, we had Mark Miro and Sable team up to face Goldust and Luna Vachon. In the storyline, Miro was becoming jealous of Sable's massive popularity with the fans, and as a result, he started to treat her badly. During the match at WrestleMania, Sable showed that she was more than capable of looking after herself. In fact, she looked really impressive as a wrestler. A few weeks later, Sable turned on Miro, much to the fans' delight. There were lots of elements that caused the WWF to skyrocket in popularity in 1998, and Sable was certainly one of them. Shawn Michaels faced Steve Austin for the championship, with Mike Tyson at ringside as special guest enforcer. The match was good, but by no means a classic, but the result of the match was the most important thing. Austin beat Michaels after 20 minutes to capture the WWF title for the first time. Tyson turned on Michaels and counted the three, and then he tore off his DX t-shirt to reveal an Austin t-shirt underneath. That momentum continued the night after WrestleMania on Raw. McMahon was furious at Austin and demanded that he bow to his authority. Austin obviously refused and McMahon took another stunner for his troubles. McMahon tried throwing obstacles in front of Austin in order to beat him. McMahon threw Dude Love into a main event against Austin at Unforgiven in April. He was desperate to find a corporate champion with a friendly face and he thought the dude was just the ticket. McMahon was furious when the dude couldn't get the job done. Austin was still WWF champion after Unforgiven. At the King of the Ring, McMahon booked Kane to face Austin in a first blood match. Kane still felt like an unstoppable monster during this period, even though he'd lost to The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Kane would shockingly beat Austin for the title, after The Undertaker interfered and accidentally caused Austin to bleed. Austin invoked his rematch clause the night after and he won the belt back, meaning that Kane's reign would be one of the shortest in WWE history. However, the whole Austin McMahon saga was overshadowed by the match between Mankind and The Undertaker at the King of the Ring. The moment that Mankind went off the top of the Hell in a Cell cage and through the announce table cemented Mick Foley as a legend in the business. Later in the year, Foley would revert back to being Mankind and he tried to become best friends with the boss in various hilarious segments and eventually McMahon awarded him with the Hardcore Championship as a consolation prize. By the end of the year, he would be in the main event wrestling for the WWF title, but we'll come back to that a little bit later on. By now, the WWF was frequently beating WCW in the ratings battle. The Monday Night War had suddenly become a battle that either side could end up winning, and wrestling fans had never had it better. In 1998, both the WWF and WCW produced Can't Miss Television, and more people were watching wrestling than ever before. While the NWO continued to run roughshod over WCW, the WWF evolved D-Generation X. Shawn Michaels had been forced to retire due to his back injury. 
and so the rise of Triple H began. As the new leader of DX, he introduced the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac to the team, and they quickly became firm fan favourites. While Triple H assumed control of DX, The Rock did the same in the Nation of Domination. His hostile takeover of the group saw him kick out Farouk, who was the faction's founder. And then a feud that would continue for years to come was born as Triple H targeted The Rock and his Intercontinental Championship. The rivalry between DX and the Nation of Domination led to some really funny and memorable moments, including the time that DX dressed up as the Nation members on an episode of Raw. While all of these iconic moments would go down in WWE history, not everything they tried turned to gold. The Brawl for All was one of the biggest disasters in wrestling history. Unsurprisingly, it was the brainchild of Vince Russo, and his idea was to capitalise on the popularity of legitimate combat sports. The concept behind the Brawl for All was simple on paper, take WWF wrestlers and put them in real-life unscripted fights and present them on WWF TV in a tournament. They specifically wanted to boost the profile of Dr. Death Steve Williams and eventually put him in a feud with Stone Cold a little bit later down the line. But as the tournament unfolded, it quickly became clear that they hadn't thought this out properly. The culmination saw Bart Gunn decimate Steve Williams, and he eventually emerged as the victor. The company's plan for Dr. Death were derailed completely, and Vince McMahon was furious. As a punishment to Gunn for having the audacity to win the tournament, they booked him in a match with professional boxer Butterbean at WrestleMania 15 in 1999. Butterbean knocked him out in 35 seconds. Apart from Butterbean, nobody won in this situation. And it was an incredible misunderstanding on behalf of the WWF towards their fans. They didn't understand that wrestling fans aren't there to watch real fights. They love pro wrestling for the drama, the storytelling and the theatrics. Other missteps in 1998 included Goldust becoming the artist formerly known as Goldust. This gimmick change saw Dustin Runnels, aka Goldust, adopting increasingly outlandish costumes and personas, including an embarrassing BDSM fetish to try and bring the character up to date. While the original Goldust was kind of shocking during the New Generation era, all of its impact was lost in the Attitude Era because everything was crazy during the Attitude Era. The artist formerly known as Goldust didn't help move the character along. He just ended up confusing the fans rather than entertaining them. Luckily, by SummerSlam, the Austin McMahon feud was still steaming ahead. McMahon tried to throw The Undertaker in front of Austin in the main event. However, Austin won the match. After the match, The Undertaker presented Austin with the title, which told the fans that he certainly wasn't on the side of the boss. Elsewhere on that card, Triple H beat The Rock in a really good ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. It was obvious by now that both of these guys were going to have a very bright future in the Federation. 
That was proven in September at Breakdown when The Rock beat Ken Shamrock and Mankind to become the number one contender. It was looking like The Rock was about to ascend to the main event, so the nation of domination came to an end. However, it wasn't time for him to win the title just yet. That wouldn't come until the Survivor Series in November. Back at Breakdown, the WWF title had been made vacant. In the weeks leading up to the Survivor Series, McMahon was hell-bent on making sure that Austin didn't become the WWF champion ever again. Mankind was now McMahon's chosen one for winning the belt, and so at the Survivor Series, there was a one-night tournament to determine the new undisputed WWF champion. The Rock had briefly turned babyface, the kind of reaction that he was getting from the fans was undeniable, and so it made him one of the favourites to win the tournament. Austin ended up getting eliminated in his match with Mankind, Shane McMahon was the referee and he made sure that Austin didn't get to see the main event. That main event came down to Mankind and The Rock. Many believed that this was Mankind's moment, however, in a shocking twist, Vincent Shane betrayed him, allowing Rocky to get the victory and win his first ever WWF Championship. The Rock had aligned himself with the McMahons, turning heel and becoming the corporate champion. In the fallout to the Survivor Series, Mankind recognised that he'd been played by Mr McMahon, and so his sights were now set on wrestling the championship away from The Rock. At the Rock Bottom pay-per-view in November, The Rock successfully defended his title against Mankind in a match with a very screwy finish. It wasn't yet time for Mankind to ascend to the top, but that moment would come in 1999. 1998 saw the WWF fully transformed, a huge turnaround from just two years before. The company had now found its attitude and it was beating its competition, and it was now an iconic pop culture brand, all of its own. So that was my deep dive into the year 1998 in the WWF, and what a year it was. Let me know your standout moments in the comments, and let me know if there's anything I missed. For more wrestling year reviews, check out the playlist down in the description.